Welcome to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast with your host, Steve Abramowitz, editor-in-chief of the Mill Creek View newspaper. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for you and your listenership. We are focusing on the volunteer state and our nation today with always an interesting person making a positive change in our community. This time, special guest, Yuri Boycheco. But first, for more information about the Mill Creek View podcast, visit us anywhere you get your podcasts and socials at Mill Creek View, Tennessee. While you're there, please subscribe. It's totally free to you. Welcome to our People in News episode, where I interview people who are making an impact and are lovers of truth. Today, we are talking with Yuri Boycheco. I hope I said that right. Yuri is a yes. founder and thank you, a founder and president of Hope for Ukraine Inc., a nonprofit that serves individuals and families of the poorest communities in the Ukraine. After graduating from Regent University in 2005 with an MA in media communications, he has been involved in media and entertainment industry ever since. In 2016, Hope for Ukraine was founded. His goal is to raise awareness for voices not heard in Ukraine, especially children affected by HIV and AIDS, providing medical care for children with disabilities, as well as food and clothing for families that live in extreme poverty in a lifetime commitment for Yuri and his wife, Tatiana. He's been in the U.S. since 1999. Hello, Yuri. How are you today? Good. Good to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Sorry if I mutilated your name with a name like Abramowitz. I do the best I can, but happy to have you. You did very well. Thank you. This must be a a super hard time for you with people celebrating Thanksgiving, but your native country at war uh, that you warned about for a long time. Um, How how are you holding up? I mean, it's a a fight for us, especially since we involve in humanitarian uh, efforts in Ukraine. So for us, it's a 24-7 uh efforts on the ground trying to help as many people uh as we can and you know every day we have new challenges that we're facing but uh, with the help of god and so many beautiful people in this country and all over the world we are able to make impact every day oh that's fantastic um did i just see we just went live should be okay well then i'm just going to tell everybody we are here with uh yuri Boinchenko from Ukraine telling us about what's going on in the street and about his charity. So thanks for joining in. Sorry we're late. Um, An undertaking like yours, a monumental one, can't be done alone, uh, certainly not just by one man. Uh, Yoroslav Boycheko is co-founder and vice president of Hope for Ukraine, Inc. Since 2003, 20 years now, he has been senior pastor of large Ukrainian Pentecostal church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. For over two decades, he has been involved in many charitable projects throughout Ukraine. Together with his wife, Ludmaya, please correct me, his desire is to improve lives of as many people as possible in Ukraine. Tell us about your brother, your sister-in-law, and your wife, how you all four together do this 24-7 work of Good Samaritans for Ukraine. Yeah, so we have... have, um, uh much larger team now especially this year so many people came in to help out so but originally you know since uh, you know i'm a one of um, six siblings so there's six of us in the family so uh, my brother yaroslav is the oldest i'm the youngest <laughs> so um basically you know when we started this it was in 2016 it was a response to initial uh, annexation of Crimea and eastern parts of uh, Ukraine um, by by Russian militants. 
And then we saw a, lot, a big, big need, you know, to, for the children over there, refugees and uh, families uh, who've been affected by the initial uh, initial crisis. And then after the full scale war, it's just uh, uh, you know this this war has been growing uh, so many uh, access, how, how I would like to say, because the need on the ground is so, so big. And our team, uh, why we've been able to help so many people, because over the years, we've built a lot of great relationship on the ground with other groups in Ukraine. So we are able to, we partner with over 100 different humanitarian uh, groups in Ukraine. So the aid that arrives there, we are able to deliver so we, you know when i look at our entire team you know we have hundreds of people who are connected some way or another to hope for ukraine uh, and we're trying to help as many people as we can each and every day by providing them uh, right now well, our main priority is, is food kits we feed we provide about 1500 food kits for families each week in ukraine uh, people who live close to the front line. Um, you know, there's uh, huge folks, especially elderly who cannot escape because they have no means. So they live in like, you know, you can hear, uh, 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 you know, bombs exploded each and every day. So we're trying to go to the hardest uh, parts, bring them food, medical attention. Also, we have a shelter uh, for internally displaced people that we run in Lviv, Ukraine, where folks um, who fleeing the war and find a shelter for uh, a specific time. You know, some people stay there for a couple of weeks. Some people stay for months. Some people, some people, been living there almost a year now until we can find them a permanent place to 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 relocate. So, uh, yeah. So there's a lot of different facets um, to what we do, and um, you know, how we're trying to help. Yes. Do you get help from other NGOs and U.S. government? Or are they in the way? Um. We, you know, we have partnership with some great nonprofits here. We don't get any help from the government, but most of the, our support comes from individual giving and uh, uh, and uh, and people who who donate through our website or different other channels. That's um, how we get funding to do what we do. Do you have other family uh, on on the team? I'm, I'm sure many back at home in Ukraine worth fighting for. Yes, uh, are there any on the ground in Ukraine? Yeah, so I mean, you know, uh, my my father, who's uh, 85 years old, he's still in Ukraine, and my three sisters still in Ukraine. So everything that's going on is, is close to my heart, and and a lot of my friends and and, and people um, are, are affected by by this this war. Because basically, it's uh, you know, like right now, if you ask any Ukrainian, um, you know, they basically look at their life before the February twenty fourth, twenty twenty two, and after. It just made such a big shift in the mentality and the minds of people. Because basically, whatever you have done in your life before the full scale war, everything had to be put on the shelves. You know, people pursue the education, they were planning trips, they planning doing this and that. Now, mind of every uh, Ukrainian on the ground is how do we win this? How do we get the peace back in our homes? How we can protect our family? So it's a different, very big shift that took place. So everyone that I'm connected to, you know, our everyday prayer and work uh, is 
how we can bring the victory close and how we can secure our families and uh, help those who've been affected. Because right now, you know, I mean, you know, we have 8 million people who flee the country, right, as a refugees to different countries like United States, Western countries. But inside of the Ukraine, the big problem is um, if we have about 6 million internally displaced folks who, you know, inside of the country, but they don't have no real home uh, to go to. So, you know, those people have no uh, good source of income, you know, there's no stable job. So these people constantly relying, uh, you know, living day to day uh, their life. So that's why the, the situation is very fluid on the ground. And um, that's why we, you know, every day waking up and praying and, and asking for, for God to give us wisdom and understanding how have to approach uh, a crisis like for example last year during this time we are planning for christmas gifts right and then the, christmas joy events right you do yeah. every holiday season your team distributes yeah. thousands of christmas gifts for orphans and children yeah. from disadvantaged families all across ukraine it'll be a particularly bleak christmas this year i, I read the average age of a ukrainian soldier is now 36 that means they wiped out an entire generation of young men in that country whether they left or died uh, what's it like organizing for Christmas, I guess, this year? I mean, we, we, we're organizing. We already have, you know, we're going to be hopefully distributing at least 2,000 to, to, to 5,000 gifts. This, this, uh, if there's no surprises, because what happened last year, we planned for Christmas joy events, and then the energy crisis happened, you know. So basically, they, they start hitting the, um, the power plants, so... We had to shift our attention to providing generators as a Christmas gift for the family. So, so that's basically uh, how you operate, you know. But I think this year, you know, because our big focus is on the children, because like what we see on the ground, you know, they suffer the most because uh, these most of the kids now, you know, the ones who are in the country, you know, they live only with their mothers because most of the men are on the front line fighting, you know. You know, a lot of kids, you know, they lost uh, the fathers in fighting. Uh, and uh, so there's a big need to to, 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 to to give some joy to these children and to let them know that there is hope and they're not alone. So uh, that's what uh, we plan to do this Christmas and hope, hopefully we can touch as many children as possible. Yeah. So tell us about, and it's beautiful. Thank you so much. Uh, the world thanks you for that. I'll, I'll be the spokesman for the world and thank you for what you're doing. Tell us about hopeforukraine.net. Uh, you mainly provide food and medical attention, but not m much, much more, right? Yeah. So we basically, uh, you know, right now, so we started, you know, when initially before the war, you know, we concentrated a lot on, uh, on medical support projects, you know, like you mentioned before providing support for uh, families who have HIV-positive children, and we did a lot of medical uh, support uh, surgeries for, for families that could not afford pay for the surgeries for treatable conditions, right? Then we would pick up the tab and, and, and fund those uh, surgeries for kids. So since the war, you know, our main thing right now is because the food insecurity is such a big issue right now. Like, we always try to want to move to something else, you know, like uh, rebuilding, you know, but if we kind of stuck in that re emergency response phase. So the food, you know, we also um, do a, a program where we provide after school programs for internally displaced children, 
uh, that after school, so we have arts and crafts programs, you know, uh, uh, tutoring that kids can get for free through our uh, our volunteers that on the ground. Then uh, we have a refugee center that we run in, in Ukraine, in Lviv. This is where our headquarters are. So since the war started, about almost 1,500 folks came through those doors. So when they flee in the eastern part of Ukraine or southern part of Ukraine, where there's active fighting, you know, they come there, we put, give them bed, food to eat, you know, and they stay there until we can find where they can go next for, for more permanent place to live, whether it's in Ukraine or, you know, some of them move abroad, you know, to different country once they get, you know, visas and, and, and permits and stuff like that. So right now, you know, currently we have about, I think last time I checked about 50 people that live there full time, but that number always fluctuates, you know, because, um, Sometimes during the, during the peak of um, when war just started, you know, we had, uh, you know, sometimes we had about 120 people living there, you know, and the, the, the place has a capacity of about 80, you know, max, you know. Oh, gosh. So, so that's, and, and we do a lot, like uh, what we do, you know, in the United States, we ship containers with humanitarian aid like all the time. Uh, so on average, about one container a month, you know, folks, Donate stuff, clothing, you know, canned food, hygiene products, and then it goes to Poland, and from there on the truck it goes to Ukraine, and then so on our website there is a uh, when you go to the news there is the link to daily impact. So we actually provided everyday updates to everyone who want to know what exactly we're doing. So people can go back, can see exactly each and every day what we have done, where donations went, and who was impacted uh, on the ground by the work that we do. Hmm. Charity Navigator, which uh, you all should always check before giving, uh, talking to you listeners, um, four stars, USAID is a partner, Classy Awards 2023 finalist, Platinum Transparency 2023. So you're legit. Uh, back before most Americans could point to Ukraine on the map, it was ranked the most corrupt country on earth. So you're dealing in a really rough place. Um, and that's saying something, right? With Iran and China and Venezuela, a lot of bad countries out there. How corrupt was it really? And how hard is it to do what you're trying to do uh, with the corruption in the way? You know, you got to understand that um, Ukraine, you know, I, I really feel like Ukraine was not really independent. Even though we got independence in 1991, like full independence, but, you know, the president we had in place was completely uh, controlled by Russia, right? We had, you know, Kravchuk, we had Yanukovych, and then uh, you know we had Yushchenko. Then, uh, then, uh, then, then revolution came right in 2014. This is when everything you know started to Poroshenko came to power, right? So after that, the things just start getting better. But the thing is, uh, I think there's a big shift that's happening in Ukraine, and the new generation of uh, leaders that's going to be coming. You know, because what just happened is just it just changing the system. The out look of people on any everything so i think ukraine will come out out of this outside of everything i think it's going to be a complete shift in the way things has been done because you know the country has been run by by the same people for like 30 plus years right so basically you know 
you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, let's say I'm, um, I'm in charge of the company. So, you know, I run the company and I give it to my son, my son gives to blah, blah, blah. So there was never like, there was never, so that's where corruption comes, you know, if you don't have a, a change, but I think now uh, with this checks and balances that are in place and especially it's because um, Ukraine depends a lot on, on, on the aid from the West. Uh, you know, I'm talking about not only military, but also on. A, uh, so I think the 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 check and balance that are set in place. I think you will see Ukraine afterward in a to- as a totally different country. I'm talking about uh, you know the talk about corruption and stuff like that. I think you know uh, it's definitely gonna be. Uh, diluted you know you can never get rid of all corruption that's that's impossible but mm. I, they're gonna have to clean up their act in order to, to yeah yeah the, 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 the clean up system yeah because the thing is like you gotta understand one thing and you know uh, almost every family lost someone uh, right now in this war you know whether it's close relative or you know cousins or uncles someone was so, so at that point you know the society will keep politicians accountable for every uh, penny and every dollar that they spend and the way it because you know it's it's a different it's a different shift in in a, in the psyche of the whole nation so i do believe i look positive on everything that's happened you know even though it is uh you know it's, it's very sad but i think outcome of this is going to be a positive one uh not only on uh, Ukraine is going to be completely, you know, uh, free from from being dependent on Russia, and but also the the people will be changed uh, for better as far as uh, you know the set of values, the the respect, the and um, so I'm 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 optimistic about that. Good. I, I like optimism. That sounds t- fascinating. Well, let's talk about a little history because uh, Ukraine is fascinating. Um, I think it's pronounced Andriy Dianchenko is the spokesman, spokesperson for Azov Regiment. And he said that 10 to 20% of Azov's recruits were Nazis. Ukrainian collaboration with Nazi Germany took place during the occupation of Poland and Ukrainian SSR. Uh, Neo-Nazis are part of some of Ukrainians' growing ranks of volunteer battalions, which makes sense. If your men are completely deluded, you're going to go where you can find some fighting forces. Um, Every Republican in politics in America in 2023 is being painted as a Nazi. And of course, we see trans and gays and Jews out on the streets with signs saying they are pro-Hamas, but the Muslim Brotherhood worked with Hitler and killed the prime minister of Egypt. So what is the current state of Nazism in Ukraine and why is America sending them billions? I mean, this is, uh, you know, our president is, uh, is Jewish, all right, Zelensky. So um, the whole point, you know, this is something that's uh, talking points that uh, Russia took and they spent billions of dollars, you know, trying to paint uh, this picture that for some reason somehow Ukrainians are Nazis, you know. So you got to understand, you know, in a country, you know, just like in every society, you know, there's extremes, right? You you can find groups yep. in every society, you know, that believe in in, in some um, some fringe ideas, right? Um, so, but when you're talking about Ukraine, 
uh, as a country and uh, as, a, as a community, you know, I mean, you know, we are striving for democracy, you know, that's why Russia hates us so much, right? So basically the reason why this war started, right? Because, you know, in Ukraine, we have a freedom of religion, you know, we have freedom of speech, you know, we have freedom to do business and stuff like that. And, 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 and Russia was always, you know, wanted to keep us in that orbit, right? So where, you know, so that's the reason why. So, you know, there in that whole, the whole talking point about uh, Nazis and stuff like that is just uh, taken out of blue. And um, they 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 spend a lot of money to, to 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 try to paint this, but this is far from the truth, you know. From what I've seen on the ground, and uh, you know, um, it's um, it's it's Ukrainians are, are accepting, you know, everyone. You know, there is no discrimination. There is you know uh, there is no crazy going on. So uh, that's why uh, you know and uh, you know we do. That's why, you know, it's it's before, you know, before, because that's why it's very important to look back and study every issue, you know, um, to find out where the, the, the sources come from, you know, uh, so that's, that's um, definitely not, not, not um, uh, the truth on the ground. About, yeah, the president is Jewish, you're right. Um, but we've all seen people like George Soros and Bernie Sanders that may have been born that way, but certainly don't live their lives and talk like a believer in the Old Testament or the New, for that matter. Uh, what is Zelensky perceived to be like and how is he doing over there versus the propaganda that I think you're telling us uh, they're painting him with? <clears throat> so, you, you know, you got to understand that uh, he has shown he 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 has shown a great leadership, right? Uh, in this situation, you know, ever since the war, ever ever since the war started, he's been coming on the air every day, speaking to the nation, you know, and and you know sometimes the good news, sometimes the bad news, but he's trying to be transparent as much as he can, you know, and in the situation the way Ukraine is right now, you know, you need that glimmer of hope. So I think on a leadership side, you know, he has shown great leadership, right? He's tried to reach out to everyone who, you know, I'm talking about Western countries, he's tried to reach out to South American countries, you know, uh, African countries, you know, to communicate about situation in Ukraine. So I don't know him on personal level, as far as like, you know, um, like how he is in, but, from what I see, the way you know that the way he runs the country, you know that again there is a freedom of religion, there is freedom of speech, you know, and uh, you know he's trying to to save save uh, and and he's a brave man, you know. Listen, like he he went to a front line in a very dangerous places number of times during this war to support the man who's standing there. So I think uh, there's a lot of positives as far as like him as a leader. So more like a Churchill uh, with his uh, fireside chats every day, not fireside chats, but his speaking to the people every day or an Eisenhower who, who or Patton who actually went out there in the front lines and didn't just sit back and, and watch it unfold. You're saying he's actually uh, doing a pretty good job as a wartime prime minister for a country that's, I guess, being invaded. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, to show up every day and, and 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 even if it's a bad news and 
have a message for the nation, right? I mean, it's big. Because, you know, there's days that's really terrible news, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you still be, have to be able to, uh, it's just, you know, uh, so I, it's a big, big, big respect for that for him. And, and, and as far as, um, you know, I, I think, you know, in a situation that we are, you know, he didn't escape the country. He didn't flee. He stood his course. That's why I believe that he's still standing. Is because you know if he would fly, flee as soon as the war started, you know he could fly to the United States. He probably get shot. You know, um, you know Ukraine would fall by now. And the, people need to understand that what's going on in uh, right now in Ukraine is not only about Ukraine. Because if if Russia captures Ukraine, you know the next thing would be Poland, right? And after that, and you know Poland is part of NATO, and if let's say Russia attacks Poland, then you know, since um, USA is part of NATO, you know they would have to get involved directly. World War so, Three, yeah, yeah. So, so basically, Ukraine is uh, is is doing as much as they can with the resources that West provides to stop this uh, this devil. You know, there's no other way I can describe Putin because. You know, uh, there was no reason for this, right? So, uh, you know, there's uh, borders that were internationally recognized in 1991, right? And, you know, everybody could live happily. You know, we, Russia is a humongous country. You know, you want to you wanna do good, go build your country. You know, the, most of the Russia lives in extreme poverty and undeveloped like crazy, you know? So there was no, no need for this at all try to capture new territories and, and, and kill innocent people, you know, day after day. But, you know, when you have a, a person, a maniac in power who has an idea of recreating the history and putting Soviet Union back together, you know, then, you know, it's, uh, there's nothing you can do. There's no reason. That's why, um, you know, like, uh, I, I always give this, uh, paint this picture, you know, like, because I have some folks saying, hey, you know, why don't you guys uh, do the peace treaty, you know, let him keep what he has, and then, you know, you guys move on with your life. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is what happened in 2014, right? So, you know, they captured Crimea, they captured part of uh, Donetsk region, Luhansk region, you know, they signed the peace treaty. So what happened in 2022? They built the army, and now so it's like you have a house, you know, I move into your house. I say, you know what? From now on, I'm going to live on the first floor. And your entire house, in your first floor, it's my house now. <laughs> you know, you can still stay on the second floor. But eventually, you know, the first floor is not going to be enough. You know, I'm going to have kids, family. But say, I'm going to go upstairs to the second floor. Say, hey, you know what? This is, the first floor is too, too small for me. Why don't I move up in one room? And eventually... If you let me live like this in your house, I'll take over your house. And so this is exactly, if you're going to let him, you know, have what he wants right now, right? He will regroup and five, six years, they'll go again, learning from their mistakes, what they did now. And Ukraine will fall if we don't get to some kind of, uh, you know, victory where, you know, we can take back the land that he took. And if Putin's goal is to re 
cobbled together the the old Soviet Union, then of course Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia are are in that dominoes as well. Um, I don't have a ton of time left, but I, I wanted to get to a few points because you would know better than I would on the ground, and I'm certainly not going to get it out of the press. But according to the Committee to Protect Journalists, at least 15 journalists and media workers, most of them Ukrainians, have been killed since the start of the war. CPJ is investigating whether the deaths of two others were related to their reporting. Uh, we see live streaming videos out of Gaza and Israel during the October 7th attack, but almost nothing out of Ukraine. Why is that? And how do we know anything is even going on? I mean, we know what's going on, but we certainly don't see it. And we have the technology. Uh, last year, they released a video game footage and called it real. The Ghost of Kiev was really digital combat simulator video game. Um, why are we not seeing war footage? I mean, I think, you know, if you, uh, Western, Western media, you know, in the beginning, they, they would broadcast now, I think it's, the attention have shifted, you know, uh, if, if you're talking about, you know, if you search even on YouTube, there's a lot of Ukrainian channels, right, who, that broadcast, you know, uh, uh, what's going on. And, um, you know, it's, uh, in Ukraine, I think, you know, uh, there is a lot of, uh, there's a lot of places it's hard to get, right? Because you gotta understand the intensity of war here is, uh, is, 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 you know, I mean, I was listening today, you know, Russia is, uh, is shooting about 20,000 uh, artillery uh, uh, bombs every 24 hours in this war. So when you have such a high intensity, you know, it's really hard for these, uh, for these journalists to be right over there on the front line, you know. So the only food that you can really get is the soldiers, you know, if they have some kind of, you know, cameras or something like that, they they, they capture the footage and then. But, uh, you know, as far as like in Ukraine, Ukrainian media, they do cover that. It's just on the West, it, it, attention has shifted from Ukraine uh, because it's been such a ongoing long uh, war. And uh, that's why you don't see much um, in the Western uh, uh, TV, radio, and other mm. sources of media. Now, when you were six, your father, a Protestant bishop, was arrested and sentenced to three years in prison for being a preacher. Uh, when you graduated high school, you moved to the U.S. to attend Bible college, eventually graduating from Regent University in 2005 with an M.A. in media communications. Um, your, your charity does resettlement and education for families that lost everything because of this war, as well as you've been doing this for quite a while. Could you foresee this or was it out of the blue? Because as far as American journalism is concerned, you know, we had the perfect phone call that uh, Trump had with the Ukrainian prime minister and we had uh, impeachment hearings and we had Burisma and we had Hunter Biden and all this other stuff. And that's really all that we really got to know until all of a sudden we were on the brink of World War III, as like you said, if it were to spill over to Poland or if Turkey were to get involved, NATO members, we'd be in big trouble globally. I tried to do as much research as I could. This is really big stuff and, of course, never enough time. Um, we had a woman on here named Z Van Fleet that escaped communist China during the revolution. Everyone check that out, episode 99, one of my favorites before this one. But there's no way to cover it all. So is there anything I left out to ask that Americans need to know about this war over there that they aren't going to learn from the news or in college from a guy like you? 
I mean, this is a, a war for freedom, you know, and um, the thing is, uh, you know, Ukraine was in part of Soviet Union, and we know how it is to live in oppressive uh, uh, country under oppressive rule. And that's why over this 30 plus years of independence, new generation have risen, right? They don't want to go back there. You know, they don't want to go back and live uh, under oppressed governments, you know. And this uh, this uh, fight is between, you know, uh, going back to Soviet times, dark age, or moving forward and experiencing democracy and freedom like people in America have. So that's what people need to understand. It's not only about some, some you know, uh, some small village or some couple kilometers of territory, but this is fight between, you know, dark and light, you know, freedom, democracy, or communism, depression, and uh, oppression. That's, yeah. we just it, have only two. It definitely, it definitely is those ideologies, but we hear, you know, conflicting stories about who blew up the Nord Stream pipeline, and if that was the opening shot in Ukraine versus Russia war against the West. We also hear in G Gaza and Israel may have been sparked off by natural gas rights in the Mediterranean that Gazans were in the way of. We may never know, but we do know that Stalin, after World War II, starved the farmers in Ukraine that didn't play along with his Stalinism. It was then and still the breadbasket of Europe, and their territory is needed for oil and gas pipelines to go across. Is there an energy story behind this war? And you know, this this war created one of the biggest humanitarian disasters. One out of three families are now food insecure in Ukraine. Uh, like I said, it was considered the breadbasket of the world. Um, your company, your your charity is one of the largest food pr programs now in Ukraine responding to this crisis. And most importantly, please share how people in the U.S. can help the people of Ukraine. Yeah, I mean, you know, so basically, you know, it's the whole conflict is because of one uh, madman, and that's Putin. Right, because in the end of the day, uh, you know, if, even if you look in the beginning of this war, you know, there were protests in Russia, by, by in some large cities against this, right? But then everything was shut down, and now it's completely, you know, it, it, Russia is turning to become a North Korea uh, soon. And uh, so, for us uh, as a country, you know. Um, when it comes to food, you know, like right now, we actually did uh, last purchase of the food that we bought for our food program was mostly came from from Ukraine, because you know they blocked off the the, the Black Sea, so um, a lot of farmers who who grow wheat and other stuff they have no way to to send that food to you know, so basically uh, we're trying to help out local farmers you know by purchasing grains from them you know and stuff um, like pasta and stuff like that so we could feed people that way but that's basically uh, right now you know for us it's uh it, it's really sad to see what's going on on the ground because you, you you're talking about you know uh, you know six million people who living out of suitcase uh and just not even two years ago that homes family so it's uh you know i i, I like you know, any, anyone who makes trip to Ukraine, right? Like you can be on different sides of the aisle. You can be, 
this and that. But once you go see it yourself, because in the end of the day, it's all about civilians, you know, the suffering. That, because, you know, the war is the, is the craziest thing you can experience. You know, the constant silence, you know, of, uh, you know, these kids that right now in Ukraine, they, they have complete, uh, you know, mental breakdowns, you know, because if you have silence, you know, zooming over your city three times a day, every day, you know, I mean, you're going to be afraid of your own shadow after wow. a while, you know, so, so that's why, you know, my last word is, you know, keep praying for us, you know, that's, you know, that doesn't cost you anything. And, and you know, I know in the end of the day, God, uh, with his mighty hand, is going to help to end this, you know. And uh, Yeah, amen. Mr. Boychenko, uh, thank you for your time. Happy Thanksgiving. If you can, we are thankful for all that you're doing. We are at the end here. So tell everyone where they can go to find out more about you and, and maybe follow your social media and for sure donate if they are so inclined. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can go to hfu.org, hopefulforukraine.net. That's the same website. You can check us out on uh, social media, Hope for Ukraine, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and uh, X platform as well. Okay, we'll put those in the show notes. And, and God bless you and your mission and your family. And, and thanks again for coming on with us. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. With Columbia, Tennessee-based EnergizeHealth.com, you lose fat fast, simply and naturally, without restrictive exercise or cardboard, dry, tasteless food. Revolutionize your health with this proprietary 88-day science from John and Chelsea Jubilee. People report getting off medications and reversing ailments. Energy, mental clarity, and alertness go through the roof. Look and feel many years younger and oftentimes unrecognizable. I know. I'm an alumnus and lost 70 pounds of fat with John and Chelsea and wouldn't have energy to do three shows a week without it. Hit the link in show notes for your free consultation and discount. Money back guarantee so you have nothing to lose but unhealthy fat. EnergizedHealth.com. Hey everyone, I'm Monica Page with One America News and you're listening to Mill Creek View Podcast. Welcome to the Steve and Steve segment of our show, where we cover what we just heard. Producer Steve, what do you think of our guest, Yuri Boycheco? Oh, wow. Um, there's so much that we don't know, Steve. There's so much we don't know. I did a little research um, for another show I did, and just like uh, just like Gaza has five point something, fifty-two billion dollars worth of, uh, or two hundred five hundred twenty-five billion dollars worth of natural gas and oil underneath their territory. And we know that Ukraine has a vast amount of natural resources, farm, gas, oil. And, and you're like, okay, why do these other countries, are they not satisfied with what they've got? And, you know, what he said with Russia and with, you know, now it's you uh, Soviet Union. Steve, it just breaks my heart. <laughs> it breaks my heart when I hear, the fact is the civilians people like you and I that just have our regular jobs that have no choice in the matter we're the ones they're the ones that suffer and so our prayers need to go to everybody that lives there yeah. because the average person has no choice whatsoever and many many are fleeing that's true or as hell no no it doubt is. about it um and you know uh it does 
somewhat translate to what we've been dealing with here in the United States, that, that we basically have a media blackout. Uh, I put together 10 news stories that they choose not to tell us uh, for the week of November 19th, last week. Uh, you can see all this at Vigilant Fox on the Twitter machine. Uh, number 10, pilot warns of airline industry disaster due to COVID-19 vaccines. Did you hear that on the nightly news? Captain Shane Murdoch says the air industry is poised on the precipice of disaster. This is going to be one of the busiest travel weekends uh, of the year coming up, and I hate to say this, but the press won't. A pilot for more than 40 years and a qualified air accident investigator, he has found official data that backs up his claim of impending global catastrophe, he adds, when correlated to the data indicates there is an enormous problem that is having and will have a significant impact on aviation safety worldwide. There is enough evidence to be sending out red flags. Okay, there's your red flag. Number nine, Senator Ron Johnson presents the most censored chart in congressional history. On January 25th, 2022, Senator Ron Johnson, Wisconsin Republican, held the world-famous second opinion panel with top experts in the medical field. During that hearing, he presented a chart comparing adverse events of different medical products like ivermectin, remdesivir, and the COVID-19 vaccines. After doing so, Senator Johnson's chart was whitewashed from the internet with YouTube, Facebook, Twitter 1.0, TikTok, and other major social media platforms choosing to remove video clips from this presentation. Wonder why? Number eight, Yale study reveals the most common chronic symptoms after COVID-19 vaccination. The most common symptoms were exercise intolerance, excessive fatigue, numbness, brain fog, and neuropathy, researchers reported in the paper. Now I know what's going on with you, Steve. Just kidding. Insomnia, <laughs> insomnia, palpitations, myalgia, tinnitus, headache, burning sensations, and dizziness were all experienced by at least half of the participants in the study, which was funded in part by the U.S. National Institutes of Health, NIH. Number seven, bad news strikes the double vaccinated with an alarming health risk revelation. There is a campaign happening across the country called Two Vaccines, One Visit, urging people to get the COVID booster and the flu shot at the same time. However, as convenient as that sounds, there is a growing number of studies that indicate that people develop a higher risk of stroke if they receive the COVID-19 and influenza vaccines at the same time. They receive the COVID and influenza vaccine at the same time. Thank you, Taylor Swift's boyfriend and Pfizer pitchman Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs for pushing this. Number six, video footage shows alleged cash for vote scheme in broad daylight. Did you hear this one? No, no. Where's this at? Earlier this month, an election scheme involving paying people cash money to vote was allegedly uncovered pay, playing itself out in broad daylight. Specifically, wow. this was an election scheme wherein homeless people were transported from shelters to the voting booth, dropped off, and essentially forced to vote in exchange for money. All the details of this alleged scheme are wild. Wow. That was in Connecticut. By the, way, dies. by the way, I just want to say that I watch yeah. a number of shows on YouTube, just fun stuff about music. I'm telling you, 80% of all commercials now on YouTube yeah. are drug-related, and they have been pushing this new flu shot, the new booster yeah. shots. Man, it's it's getting sick, Steve. I saw it during college football, too. 
Toddler dies two days after receiving routine vaccinations. Number five, Melody Rain Palumbi Malgren, a 15-month-old girl, tragically passed away two days after receiving routine vaccinations. Her mother, Catherine Palumbi, recalls the shock and sorrow of losing a child who was the epitome of joy and health on October 17th during a routine 15-month well visit at the Herbert Kenya Pediatric Group in Warwick, New York, Melody received three vaccines, News 12 Westchester reported. Just two days later, she suddenly stopped breathing and suffered cardiac arrest despite exhibiting no warning signs. May she rest in peace. Number four, soccer players are still collapsing and dying three years after COVID-19 vaccine rollout. Dr. William Malkis, M-A-K-I-S, Malkis, has a whole website dedicated to a list of them, macusmd.substack.com 46 players from june to november 2023 oh. number three attorney accused the cia and department of defense of being deeply involved with COVID 19 attorney tom rents leveled serious allegations against the u.s department of defense and the central intelligence agency in a fiery testimony monday during the injuries caused by COVID-19 vaccine hearing claiming their deep involvement in the COVID-19 pandemic I believe that guy uh, always has receipts like I tried to. I dealt with him when I was ambassadoring for Silent Majority Foundation and Pete Sereno. Uh, you've had him on the flame, haven't yep. you, Steve? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Still still making headlines. Good for him. He, he turned me on to the mRNA vaccine for cows like I asked uh, Chris Carter at Porter Road Butcher last week. Uh, number two, never before seen footage upends J6 Committee's insurrection narrative. This is all over Twitter, but I don't think it's on the nightly news. This decision will provide millions of Americans, criminal defendants, public interest organizations, and the media an ability to see for themselves what happened that day. Political, political commentator Tim Poole summarized the aftermath of the J6 tapes on X, formerly known as Twitter. His comments received 75,000 likes and counting. The police facilitated January 6th. This is why they withheld the tapes. The J6 committee should be censored and expelled for lying to the public. Tim Pool at Tim Cast, November 17, 2023. And number one, OBGYN drops alarming miscarriage data before Congress. She says, I've never seen this before. I've never seen this before, testified Dr. Kimberly Biss, B-I-S-S, an OBGYN who has been injured in 8,000 pregnancies before Congress in the injuries caused by COVID-19 vaccines hearing on Monday. How many of your patients or pregnant women that you know of experienced miscarriages after taking the COVID-19 vaccines or injections? Asked Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican Georgia. Dr. Biss first explained that the vaccination rate among her patients' population was about 60% and that most of the patients received three injections. Very re few received four or more. What's concerning, detailed Dr. Biss, is the majority of the patients received their injection in 2021 and early 22. However, we're still seeing lingering effects. You, Marjorie Taylor Greene, asked how many patients had the vaccine and then lost their babies. That's hard to determine, stated Dr. Biss. I can tell you 60% of my patients got vaccinated. But the problem is, she continued, if they're brand new to the practice, I haven't seen them yet because I'm the only person in my practice who asks every patient, have you gotten a vaccine? How many? Which brand? When? Have you had the COVID? How many times? Because whether we like it or not, that's part of the medical history now. I'm the only one who asked those questions. Wow. Dr. Biss detailed that if a woman miscarries and you ask them, well, did you get an injection? 
you may come across an accusatory to that. You may come across as accusatory to that person. You don't want to ever make a woman feel like she caused her baby to not be born. Dr. Biss commented. So it's hard to get the exact data in all those patients. And today, Rainbow Bridge car explosion on the U.S.-Canada border in Niagara Falls was a terrorist attack. Holy shnikes. Stay tuned for my thoughts of the day and the last of the week. Uh, right, let's find that here. Moving on. Okay, welcome to my quotes for the day. But before I share, I remind everyone to subscribe to Mill Creek View Podcast. That's Tennessee, Washington, and now Florida. Just go to Rumble or Spotify or iTunes, search for Mill Creek View, and hit the subscribe button and follow us. And I really hope you like it. And you can tune in for some bonus edition after the TECN.TV signs off. I want to thank all of you for watching. Uh, I'm new to the channel. We've had some technical difficulties, but we're learning quick and I still hope you like it. But now you can jump over to iTunes or Rumble and, and see the rest of the show uh, if we don't get it all in into our 55 minute window. All right, here we go. I awoke this morning with devout thanksgiving for my friends, the old and the new, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Gratitude is the inward feeling of kindness received. Thankfulness is the natural impulse to express that feeling. Thanksgiving is the following of that impulse. Henry Van Dyke. Thanksgiving Day is a good day to recommit to our energies, to giving thanks and just giving. Amy Grant. She began in contemporary Christian music before crossing over to pop music in the 80s and 90s. She's been referred to as the queen of Christian pop. As of 2009, she had sold more than 30 million albums worldwide, won six Grammy Awards, 22 Gospel Music Association Dove Awards, and had the first Christian album to go platinum with Age to Age, 1982. Born Augusta, Georgia, hometown Nashville, Tennessee, married to Vince Gill, king of the Grand Old Opry. And for once, I'm going to quote myself. You can read the whole thing at TennesseeConservativeNews.com in the opinion section. Don't think New York Times or LA Times would want it. The psalmist declared, sing to the Lord with thanksgiving, Psalm 147 NIV. Paul wrote, be thankful, Colossians 315 NIV. A spirit of thanksgiving is always the mark of a joyous Christian. Why should we be thankful? Because God has blessed us and we should be thankful for each blessing. I'm thankful for you, dear listener, and for you, producer Steve. 150 episodes in Tennessee, 16 in Florida, now with Julie Barrett hosting, hostessing, and 41 of my first show, the original in Washington with Vincent. Couldn't do it without you, my friend. Let's keep it going. Uh, I got to have someone to make fun of. Um, <laughs> Thank you. So that's it for this episode on TECN.TV. Like I said, jump on over to hear the rest. Uh, thank you, Yuri. We have some fun with Elvis and Johnny Cash, but uh, that's it for this episode. Thank you, Yuri Boycheco, for coming on and reminding us people are basically good. It's the rulers that need to be checked up on. Uh, until next time, this is your host, Steve Abramowitz, uh, editor-in-chief of mcview.us. Obviously, no show tomorrow on Thanksgiving, so blessings to you. Uh, it wouldn't be Thanksgiving without hearing from our favorite Jewish philosopher, Linus Van Pelt, with this Thanksgiving prayer. So, producer Steve... Let's take us out for uh, the week with the Peanuts, Charles M. Schultz, Linus's Thanksgiving Prayer. Peace in our time and glory to God. See you on the other While channel. Served, shouldn't we say grace? In the year 1621, the pilgrims held their first Thanksgiving feast.
They invited the great Indian chief, Massasoit, who brought 90 of his brave Indians and a great abundance of food. Governor William Bradford and Captain Miles Standish were honored guests. Elder William Brewster, who was a minister, said a prayer that went something like this. We thank God for our homes and our food and our safety in a new land. We thank God for the opportunity to create a new world for freedom and justice. Amen. Hello, I'm Dr. Ming Wang, ophthalmologist from Nashville, Tennessee, and you're listening Mill Creek View Podcast. I don't Right, welcome back. For those joining us, uh, not on TECN.TV. Uh, I wanted to do this, just have had it in my inbox for quite a while. But Johnny Cash and Elvis Presley were two of the formative voices of rock and roll, each embodied the spirit of the genre, albeit in different ways. Cash came from a deeply religious background and rooted his sound in gospel, but he also represented a darker anti establishment ethos. He often put forth an outlaw image, perhaps most famously through his song Folsom Prison Blues, which he performed for the prison's inmates in 1968. Presley also cut through the conventional mold of the 50s, both through his music, which was heavily influenced by Black artists and labeled as rowdy and rebellious, and his hip gyrations, which were deemed overly sexual. Uh, let's play clip number one. I'm sorry, Steve. We're uh, I've got those stupid ads going here. Let's see if we can't. Oh, uh, sounded a little different than I anticipated. Two weary travelers from Jerusalem walking with a stranger down that dusty highway. Two weary travelers from Jerusalem. Walking with a stranger down that dusty road And they walked another hour to Emmaus town And shared their supper till the sun went down When he broke the bread and the word spread around That Christ was on that gospel road Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John Told about Jesus on that dusty highway Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John Told about Jesus on that dusty road How his pillows were the stones where they laid his head How the hungry fire... All right, both Cash and Presley got started in Tennessee around the mid-1950s, and they had musical friends and influences in common. It's not too surprising, then, that their paths crossed several times throughout the decades. They watched each other perform, sometimes on the same bill, and occasionally together. They developed a mutual admiration that would last a lifetime, even after fame and fate sent them their separate ways. Here's more of the connection between the king and the man in black. Both Elvis and Johnny Cash were signed to Sun Records, uh, which is on 706 Union Avenue in Memphis. Elvis introduced June Carter to Johnny Cash. Oh, wow. Hmm. Love, love of his life, right? Johnny Cash and Elvis made up one half of the Million Dollar Quartet, 
Jerry Lee Lewis, Carl Perkins, uh, and Elvis and Johnny Cash impersonated each other. Let's listen to number two. Let's see if we can't get this going. Here we go. Come on. As I step down from the train, and better meet me is my mama and my papa. Down the road I look And there runs men Hair of gold and lips like cherries It's good to touch the green, green grass of home Yes, never come to meet me Arms reaching Smiling sweetly, oh, it's good to touch the green, green grass of home. The old house is still standing, though the paint is cracked and dry. There's the old oak tree that I use. All right, I think I got that out of order. I just love that song, so there's no way I was going to stop it. I think that was the Million Dollar Quartet, if that's not me. Yes, it was. Sorry about that. I can't see it. I can only hear it, but that's I remember. (laughs) Okay, so the next clip, I believe, is Elvis and Johnny Cash impersonating each other, or at least the first of the two. Yeah, I think this is the one you were looking for. Hello, everybody. This is DJ Jerry. Back At the beginning. On December 4th, 1956, Elvis Presley, Johnny Cash, Jerry Lee Lewis, and a fellow named Carl Perkins got together at Sun Studios and recorded an impromptu, possibly the greatest compliment he could ever give him. Well, why don't you be the judge and decide for yourself? If I lose my pants, I'll have charge X to get in here next Saturday night. No, I'll tell you, this is an impersonation of a rock and roll singer impersonating Elvis, is what this really is. Well, since my baby left me... That's Johnny Cash. Well, I find a new place to dwell. He's twitching all over the stage. <laughs> He's got his hair all messed up. Well, it's time to tear him the only street at Heartbreak Hotel. You'll be so long. You'll be so long. You could Now we're going to get a little Elvis here. Well, those unpunished because in Las Vegas at the International Hotel, Elvis Presley gets to return the favor as he does a spot on impersonation 
of Johnny Cash. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the International. I'm Johnny Cash. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, he had a lot of rhythm. Cash continued, referring to Presley. He was a very good singer, and he was a fabulous performer in the way he moved the people. When he was 19 years old, that's when I toured with him at first. And not only the girls loved Elvis, but every man backstage was standing in the wings watching Elvis. He had that charisma, that magic, that a great performer needs to get the people right there. there. Uh, is that Was that the last clip? Yes, it was. It was. All right. Well, that's what was on my mind today. A little Thanksgiving thankfulness for music from the 50s. Hope you find that interesting and entertaining. If no, write me on Facebook or millcreekview at yahoo.com and let me know. We're open to constructive criticism, but don't be mean. Use at millcreekview on Twitter for that. It's loaded with that kind of stuff. Other than that, I want to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving, and I will see you next week. And the same for me. Thanks, Steve, for being a great host. Thank you. Glory to God. Any views or opinions represented on the podcast are personal and belong solely to the creator and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the creator may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated.